Great. Thank you, Paul and the team and leading us in song this morning. And uh, uh, it's great to be here with all of you. Uh, as Paul said, we're continuing in our sermon series, The Way. And um, what we've been doing, the, the real purpose of this series is to take the words of Jesus very seriously. <laughs> I think as followers of Jesus, that should be kind of the default, right? We should be men and women, boys and girls who say we actually follow Jesus, that we actually should take what he tells us seriously. But you know what? If your life is anything like my life, sometimes life just has a way of getting in the way of how God would actually call us to live. Jesus said that the purpose of your life, follower of Jesus, is that you would be out in the streets making everyone who's far from God hate God. No, no, that's not what Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus said that the purpose of your life is to bear much fruit. And there can be some argument and some debate over what fruit is, but I firmly believe that when the Bible talks about fruit, it's talking about two different things. It's talking about two things that are eternal, salvation and the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of God. And so you and I, as followers of Jesus, have this mandate, this call to bear much fruit, that we're part of the work of seeing more people come into the kingdom of God, to see more people set free from their sin, see more people set free from the kingdom of darkness and step into the kingdom of light. Not because we're amazing, not because we're so smart and educated and so sophisticated, but because we're humble and we're weak. And we're humble and we're weak and we realize we need the power of God to accomplish this thing. And so there's that eternity of people coming into the kingdom of light that we're a part of. But then there's the kingdom of light that's being built up into our own lives. More joy, more peace, more hope, more patience, more self-control, that we become more and more like Jesus. And we live in a world right now that is very weary. I don't know about you, but just going through social media this week, it's exhausting. War and threats of war and terrorism and famine And the constant response to evil in the world, it can feel so overwhelming. It was easy for me this week to sit down in my very comfy chair in my living room and have this pity party. That, Lord, it's not enough. Why is the world so dark? And when we get into those spots, that's why it is so important to be able to hear the voice of God. To be reminded that God is still on his throne, that God is still victorious over sin and death, and that God's will is being done even though it looks like evil is winning. And that's what this series is all about, is to take several months to not be a church that settles for a faith that's fine, not settle for, well, this is the way my Christian walk has always been, and it's the way it's always going to continue to be. It's to encourage each of us, myself included, to do new things, to try new disciplines, to hear God in a new way, in a fresh way, so we don't settle for a faith 
that's fine. But instead, we become like we sang about earlier on in the service, that we come alive and hear the voice of God. And it spurs us on and it encourages us to be in this very weary world. So I really appreciate everyone who's been sharing their stories with me as they've been going through this material. If you're new with us, kind of the key ways that we've been going through this is three ways. We go through this, the Sunday morning sermon where I kind of speak at a very high level about this topic. And then we get into life groups during the week where we get deeper into the conversation of how the Word of God is working in our own lives. And then we also made available a, a daily devotional booklet And um, just because we're on week six of the series doesn't mean you can't start with week one today. (laughs) We've got these in the cafe. Go to the Welcome Center. Grab one. You go, well, you know, it's six weeks in. I'm too late. You know, I missed the boat. I'm not going to do it. No, make today your week one. (laughs) Okay? And I've been saying throughout this series, if you've been feeling like, man, I don't hear God and I don't, you know, I don't hear God speaking and my faith is just kind of like what it is. Well, maybe you need to actually do something different. (laughs) Why would you expect the same results if you keep doing the same thing? Try something new. Try a daily devotion. Try journaling. Try being silent. ADHD in me, silence. It's like, it's a discipline. Okay, and so that's what we're trying to do in this series. Uh, Before we dive into today's text, we're going to be in John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn there, please do. John chapter 1 is what we're going to look at for today's message. But just a couple of quick announcements I wanted to share this morning. Uh, We have a baptism service that is happening the first Sunday of December. So on December the 3rd, we've got uh, baptisms that are happening. I've already got three people signed up for baptisms, which is so exciting how God is working in people's lives. If you've never been baptized and you want to know more about it, please reach out to the office, office at greenbelt.church. I would love to talk to you. The more people get baptized, the less I have to talk that Sunday. And I think that's just a great Sunday when I can just like baptize people and people are sharing their stories about God is working. And and then I do like a two minute devotional. So let's get more and more people baptized that Sunday. And uh, no, I like preaching. It's okay. Um, So we got that coming. And again, as Paul said, being a church that's on mission, we talked about this, that sometimes to be on mission, it really calls us to uh, be more united. There's too many things in the world that wants to divide the church. There's too many things that we want to argue and fight about within the own family of God. And we got to really work on unity on how that works. We have to work on strategy that we don't just kind of do things willy nilly in the church. We actually are listening to God and we're doing what God is calling us to do instead of just being busy and burning out volunteers and wasting lots of money. We want to be focused. We want to have a strategy. And there's a call to sacrifice, There is a call to sacrifice as the body of Christ. And so I just want to take for a moment, I'm going to thank Paul and Dorothy for sacrificing for the last several months. During when the war in Ukraine broke out, we had some kind of people who escaped Ukraine. They came to Canada and lived with Paul and Dorothy for several months, which I'm sure was not easy having people in your home. But thank you so much for doing that and sacrificing that way, right? This is the call. Sometimes we make ourselves uncomfortable for the glory of God, right? And so... That's the challenge that all of us face of how do we get on this mission of God. And I firmly believe you cannot be on mission with God, whether it's at a church or whether it's in your family or whether it's in your own personal life. 
if you are not hearing the voice of God. If you don't know what God is doing in your life, like Proverbs says, if you have no vision, you will perish. You will stumble all over yourself, as other translations call it. And so today what I want to do, we're going to look at John chapter 1. And today we're going to be talking about the word. We're going to be talking about studying the Bible as a spiritual discipline. Um, You and I are quite fortunate as modern day Christians to be living in this day and age. We live in a day and an age where there is more access available to the word of God than at any other point in human history. The word of God is available in more human languages, more languages today than at any other point in history. And there's more and more versions of the Bible being written all the time in other languages to get the word of God out into more hands. We have more access to biblical information than ever before. You can go online. You don't have to go to seminary anymore. You don't have to go to this old dusty library to get access to these tomes, these big giant book, dusty books in order to study a passage. You have your cell phone. (laughs) And your cell phone gives you access to more information about the word of God than ever in human history. However... And you knew that was coming. Okay, I'm French-Canadian. There's got to be a little tang of guilt. No, that's not the point. Recent studies, again and again and again over the past 10 years, paint a sad picture in the church. That even though we have more access, more information, more tools available to help us study the Word of God, Increasingly, less and less and less Christians ever open their Bible. Now, I'm not trying to point fingers and I'm not making eye contact. (laughs) Okay? But in 2013, the Bible League of Canada did a study, and it was estimated out of all the research that they did across Canada that only 11% of Canadians who identify as Christian open their Bible more than once a week. 11% in 2013. And studies that are coming out now, and how are these studies done? They do random surveys, and there's a plus and minus and all of that kind of stuff on how accurate these things are. So take it with a grain of salt for sure. But even if the number was 20%, even if the number is 25%, Should it be any surprise that the church is feeling disconnected from God if we never open God's word apart from the pastor doing it on Sunday? Is it any surprise that we say, I don't hear God? When one of the primary ways he's given us to talk and to hear from him is his word and we don't look at it. Research continues to show that over the last couple of years, even though in 2013 they said it was 11%, they're saying now because of the pandemic, it's even lower. Because so many places that taught people, like camp and kids ministry and kids programs and VBSs and all these kind of things that would run during the summertime to teach the next generation how to study the word of God, were shut down for so long. And so now we've raised up more people 
who are walking away from truly knowing how to study and understand the word of God. Now, some of you might be feeling guilty, and that is not my goal today. So we're going to like, in Jesus' name, cast off any guilt, and we're going to cast off any shame. And today what I hope to do as we study, as we look at John chapter 1, today what I want to do is not guilt you into just trying to read the Bible on your own strength, because okay? I know how that's going to work, because I know how that works in my own life when I try to do it. It don't. You might get to day four, and then you'll stop. Today, using John chapter 1, I want to show you the beauty and the power of the word of God. The beauty and the power of the word of God to stir your heart a little bit so that it will motivate you to do something not out of guilt and shame or I have to or I must, but out of this prompting of your own heart going, wow, I get to hear from God. I have the privilege of hearing from him through his word. So let's talk about this study of the word of God. Again, using John chapter 1 as our guide to help build this longing in our hearts for the word. So John chapter 1, this was written by the Apostle John. This is the guy who wrote John. He wrote uh, the three letters that come up later on in the New Testament, and he wrote the very last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation. He's known as the Apostle whom Jesus loved. He has a very special, deep relationship with Jesus. And John is this, the Gospel of John is known as one of the most theologically rich Gospels. He really gets deep into the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus just isn't some good man. He's not just some good moral teacher, but that he is God in flesh. And he sets up that doctrine of God in flesh, that theology of fully God and fully man. He sets it up right away here in John chapter one. So I'm going to read from the first 14 verses. It says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning. John right away here is quoting Genesis chapter 1. He's translated chapter 1 of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, from Hebrew into Greek. In the beginning, it's the very beginning of everything, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is a different John. This is not John the author. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who was preparing the way, who's baptizing people, calling people to repent of their sin. Kind of the religious people didn't like John at all because he was saying that living this religious way, keeping all these rules and all these traditions, it's good in a way if it draws you closer to God. But what it did, in fact, was puff up people to make them think that they were amazing that they were great and so religious. And it changed their prayer life. Instead of a prayer to Father, help us reach people. 
It turned their prayer life into, Father, thank you for not making me a sinner like them. If your religion is making you pray that way, thank you that I'm not like them, you have a problem in your faith, according to your Bible. (laughs) Okay? Thank you, God, that you didn't make me like them. That's who this John is. Okay? He came, this John, came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the only of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth see this is a i mean i've got goosebumps reading this like this is a power punch passage of your bible describing jesus when we get into kind of these debates in culture and in the world that, well, Jesus is not God, right? Jesus is just one of many options. Like, it, it comes up so frequently. Like even this week with all the turmoil and everything that's going on in the Middle East, the number of conversations that, that I kind of drawn into online especially from kind of my non-Christian friends and family. It's like, what's all this fighting about? It's all the same God anyways. And I lovingly have to point out that it is in no way whatsoever the same God. It's the Jewish faith and the Islamic faith and the Christian faith are radically different. Radically different because the Christian faith declares Jesus as the word, as the one in whom all things were created by, that everything was created through him and in him and for him, that everything about all of creation created by and is for God, Jesus. And then John spells this out for us. He, he, he shows us how Jesus did something radically different than what any other faith teaches. That Jesus, the creator of all things, stepped into his creation. And his creation rejects him. His creation goes, yeah, we prefer our own way. I prefer my darkness. I prefer my religious rules and traditions. I prefer to be here. And John, so this is why this is so incredibly powerful. 
as we look at the topic of the word, right? See, the word here, again, depending on your Christian background, a lot of the times when we talk about the word as evangelical churches, we, we mean our Bible, right? We say the word and it's Bible. You can kind of replace whenever you hear some pastor, open the word too. They mean open your Bible too. Right. And so there's a difference sometimes that we need to be aware of, or sometimes when your Bible says the word, yes, it's talking about the law. It's talking about the books of the prophets. It's talking about the wisdom literature. It's talking about the new Testament, but this is capital W word. (laughs) This is something a little bit different than simply your Bible, right? That it says in verse 14, that this word became flesh made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son whom came from, who came from the father, who's full of grace and truth. And John sets this up. This word was with God. The word was God. John is stating Jesus's, how Jesus existed prior to creation. And so this idea of the word of God for me is so much bigger than simply read your Bible. It's so much bigger than just simply read your Bible, right? The big idea that I want us to unpack for the rest of our time together is this idea that the eternal divine word became flesh in Jesus Christ. So learn from him, Why would we waste time learning from something else apart from the eternal divine word? And the beauty of your Bible is that every single page of it points to the word. See, this isn't a manual for living a good life, even though it helps us do that. This isn't just a history book, even though it shows us some really cool history. It's to point us to Jesus. And so as we study it, when we read it, the goal is to learn and to hear from Jesus. To get a touch of the divine. When I was in seminary, um, one of my seminary professors challenged us in how we come and approach the Bible. Because you, you hear language like this. And how many of you, like, raise your hand if you ever heard of this. That, that someone says, well, don't just study the Bible. Make sure you read it as devotion. Anyone ever tell you that before? Make sure you read the Bible. Just me. Okay, cool. And Jonathan. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Jonathan. Okay. There's a few other hands. Okay. It's like, just, you know, you got to make sure that it's not just a devotional, but you're taking the word of God seriously. This is what they tell us as pastors, right? Well, I'm studying the Bible, but pastor, don't forget You have to have a quiet time. You have to have your devotion time too. And one of my professors who became a dear, dear mentor of mine said, no, 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 no. There isn't study time and devotion time when you open your Bible. What he did is he held this up. He said, every time you open this book, you come face to face with the living God. Every time. There's no study. There's no devotion. There's no put the face of God on a shelf. (laughs) As we come face to face with the divine, we come face to face with the living God, we come face to face with the word, the written word that points us to the word. 
and how Jesus is that word and how the creator of all, the sustainer of all wants to speak to us. This is why it's not about a guilt trip to open our Bibles four times a week. It's where it stirs our heart to realize that the eternal divine word became flesh. And our deepest desire is to hear him and learn from him. So how does John chapter one encourage us to and motivate us to study the word? So three things that I want us to just unpack from John chapter one to help us be encouraged to make the study of the word to hear from God more a part of our lives. The first is the reminder of Jesus being the source of all things. Jesus is the source of everything, right? It says in verse three, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. I just say, I love when the Bible kind of uses kind of this kind of word play, right? <laughs> Without him, nothing was made that has been made. It's basically saying like, just, it's basically John is telling the church, like, look around you. Look around your life. Look at your family, look at your job, look at your education, look at everything that was made, was made by God. And everything that you're seeing that was made without God, none of it would be existent. None of it would be around, right? God is the source of all things, Right, this idea is repeated um, a couple of other times in the New Testament. It's repeated in Colossians, and it's repeated in the book of Hebrews. Right, Colossians says this, says the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. I use this verse in Colossians all the time when people say, well, you know, God is too big and you can't understand God. I go, malarkey. That's how I say the swear words nicely. Um, it's, no. It's not impossible to know God because your Bible says if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Colossians says the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you don't understand who God is, understand Jesus and you will understand who God is. Right? Because in the continues in verse 16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether throne or power or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Right? Book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things uh, and through whom he also made the universe. <laughs> right? Jesus is the source of all things, the word that became flesh. When I think of the problems of my life, not that I have a lot, but I have some, we all do. When I think of the stresses, when I think of the challenges of the world that we live in, there's lots of things that I can read. There's lots of places I can turn to for advice. And there's some good things out there. But why would I want to solve a financial problem just by simply reading a Dave Ramsey book? Not that there's anything wrong with his books. 
What if I want to solve my financial problems with the person who, with the God who kind of allowed this financial thing to happen and to take his advice through his word? My financial planner can sit there and say, you know, Kevin, like times are really, really tough. And, you know, and your mortgage is going up and this bill is going up and this bill is going up. So, you know, this whole tithing thing, knock it off. And I go, well, financial advisor, thank you for your advice. But I believe the word of God wants to free me from the love of money. And the way God works in my life to free me from the love of money is the discipline of the tithe. I don't believe we're under a command that God is mad at you if you don't do it. No, <laughs> but I believe it's a spiritual discipline to take my materialistic, greedy heart and rip that out of my chest and stomp on it. <laughs> okay. A little graphic, but that's how it works. <laughs> that's the discipline of it because that's what the word told me to do. You see, whatever we're facing not that the Bible, you know, when people say, well, Kevin, well, what verse tells me what I should do about this situation in my life? It's not like we just randomly go flip a page and go here. And we go, wow, you have rejected us, God. And we don't just randomly pick verses to deal with every problem in our life, right? But we do have to know the principles of the word of God. We, and when you're never reading it, you don't know what those principles are. When you're never letting it speak into our hearts, when you face those challenges, when you face those decisions, you don't know what the word would say. And so we gravitate to a different way of living. So because Jesus is the source of all things, that's what should motivate us to encourage us to know his answer about all things. The other thing that I love about John chapter 1 to encourage us to be more in the word is this idea that Jesus brings light into our places of darkness. Jesus brings light into our places of darkness, right? Verse nine says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And in verse five, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know about you, but there seems to be a lot of darkness in the world that I would love to see it overcome. And it's not just in the Middle East. It's not just in Ukraine. But there are days where there's some darkness right here in my own heart that I would really love to see that go away forever. There's darkness in our own city. There's darkness in our own families. There's darkness in our own schools. And we can be discouraged by that. Or we can leave here skipping and singing because the darkness has been overcome by the light. And Jesus wants to bring light into places of darkness through us. And so this darkness, whenever the Bible talks about darkness, it's describing, it's used to describe the spiritual forces at work in the world, right? And it's very easy to see evil nowadays. Sometimes it can be very hard to see light. And I think that's where we have to develop the, ver the spiritual discipline to notice the light. 
This is one of the things that we're doing kind of in the daily devotions in this series is we're actually kind of helping you and teaching you to see God at work in your life every day, every day, every day. Because our default in our flesh is to notice the darkness, to notice what God isn't doing, to notice where the enemy seems to be having victory. <laughs> but the reality is, is Jesus is bringing light into darkness. We just look to it and it builds us up and it encourages us when we see it. And what we love about studying the word of God here is that it builds us up to remind us that Jesus sends us into a world of darkness, right? Jesus says these words. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house, not only does the Bible say that Jesus is the light of the world, Jesus then says, now because I'm in the world and because you are mine, you now are the light of the world. And so when you go to work, when you go to school, when you deal with your family, when you deal with the issues that you're going through, we're motivated to make sure we have that we're letting the word of God speak to us so that I will be light in those situations that God will use me to be light in my family. That God will use me to be light as a parent, as a spouse. That God will use me as light in my community, in my workplace. But it comes from this place of hearing God through his word so that we're built up to bring light. Because the eternal divine word became flesh in Jesus Christ and we want to learn from him so that the light that he brings into the world will also shine through us. So we want, we're motivated to study the word of God because of Jesus, because he's the source of all things, because Jesus brings light into our places of darkness. And then finally, we study the word because it helps us to see God's glory. Helps us to see God's glory. John finishes this section here in, in verse 14 where it says, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. See, glory is a big, big, powerful Bible word. When your Bible talks about glory, what John is doing here, he's alluding to the Old Testament. John uses a lot of language that would be very familiar to, to Jewish people who know the law and know the commandments. And when he's talking about this glory, he, he's alluding to the manifestations of God's glory. And what that means is the visible power of God. So like in Old Testament time, it's things like burning bushes. It's things like pillars of, of smoke and fire. It's like parting Red Seas. It's doing these massive acts of power that bring glory to God. And John is saying, well, we've also seen that power. We've seen that glory. Like John's going to share the very first miracle that, that Jesus does, where he goes to a wedding party. 
And he takes these religious jars that were filled with water. These jars were used as religious ceremony because religious people couldn't go to the party unless they followed religious rules of washing. That's what the jars were for. (laughs) And Jesus takes the water and turns it into the best wine possible. Which means religious people didn't walk into the party. Because they can't wash their hands. The best wine available. This incredible party, the divine glory of God is right there. And religious people say, no, I won't go. Because I actually don't want the glory of God. I want my glory. You see, the study of the word of God for me reminds me how weak I am how no good I am, how bad my sin really is. But it doesn't leave me in that place. It actually reminds me to give praise to my Father in heaven who loves me so much that he sent his one and only son to die for me. That I could have everlasting life Not by being religious, but by simply turning to Jesus. Like this is what John exactly talks about here. He goes, yet all these people who wouldn't receive him, they didn't believe in his name. Like they wanted nothing to do with the creator of the universe. But those who do believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. That's why the Christian faith is radically different than any other faith in the world. Every other faith, every faith says, behave, and then maybe God will love you. Behave, and you can be like God. Jesus says, you were already created in the image and likeness of God. You're already like God. The problem is your spiritual enemy made you forget it. And he's kept you in sin and bondage and shame and darkness. And Jesus has come to set the captive free. To forgive you of your sin. Not because you keep all the rules. But because Jesus died for us. See, boy, that story makes me want to open my Bible more. That story makes me want to hear from the creator of the universe more so that I can be used by God to be light in the world so that I can be used by God to feed his sheep so that I can be used by God in ways that I could never even ask or imagine to see God receive all glory. Now, just a couple of tips as we close off because it can be a challenge for us to build this discipline, you know? And so people ask me all the time, well, you know, like, how do I do this? How do I start? Well, well, I gave you this. If you haven't grabbed one, and there's an online version of it as well. You can go to the website, theway.app, theway.app, and you can get a digital version of this. If you just can't do the whole thing every day, start with the bottom part that says, read this passage and journal a little bit about it. Five minutes a day, 
just to start building that discipline of hearing God through his word. Another great tool that I recommend to people all the time, it's a, a free tool online. It's called eSword, right? And I don't have the exact web address for it. Just Google e-sword. It's electronic sword. Real ingenious. Okay, great marketing, but it's a great tool. And you download that. You put it on your computer, and every single word in your Bible has a little number beside it. And you can click on that, and it will tell you the Greek and the Hebrew and the context and what this word means. Because sometimes English is a common language for common people. And sometimes we lose the richness of the original language. We lose the depth by trying to put it in English, right? Your English Bible is good. You don't all have to learn Greek and Hebrew, but sometimes it's good. Like even if you take John chapter one and you use that tool and you click on the little number beside word, right? And what you get there from the word, uh, word is you get logos and you get the logos and you get this idea that <laughs> the word logos is something so much bigger that it's this implication that, that, that there's something powerful happening, that all reasoning, all motive, all computation, everything in all of creation is in this word. English doesn't convey that, but the Greek does. And you can get deeper and more excited about these things with simple little tools like that. Right? The other thing that we firmly recommend for people to do is to be in a life group. This is why we... On our website, in our church app, we really push and encourage everyone to be in a group. And it's not just for adults. We do this as a church from kids. Our kids in Kid Zone are in a group context. Our teenagers in Fusion are in a small group context because we want them from a very young age to know that this is how we believe that we grow spiritually. When we open this up together, it's great when I can have 150 people just looking at me. almost done. Okay. But it's better when you're with a group of friends, people who know what you're going through, people who love you, people that you've given permission to speak into your life. And you read this together and we don't go around the circle going, well, what do you think it means? 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 What we do is we go, well, this is what it means. Now, what are you going to do? 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 Very different approach. <laughs> okay. It means what it means, what it means. We might have to wrestle to get to what it means. But at the end, it's about now, what are we going to do? <laughs> because Jesus died for you. <laughs> and Jesus' desire for you is that you would bear much fruit. And Jesus' desire for your life is that you would be close to him and that you would hear from him. And maybe you're here today, whether in person here or online, and maybe you've never taken that step to believe in Jesus. I want to just give you that opportunity to do that before I close, because it's just such a simple thing. I grew up in a religious background that made believing in Jesus very, very, very complicated. In fact, it was so complicated, none of us believed in God. Every single kid in my school walked away from God because of how complicated we made it. 
And then at 26 years old, I was reading a Bible by myself to disprove the existence of God. (laughs) How prideful and arrogant was I? (laughs) And I read, wow, God loves me. (laughs) Jesus died for me. And I can do just what the Bible says if I just believe and confess. I can become a child of God. So right, you know, a long time ago now, at the age of 20, 26 years ago, oh my goodness, I prayed, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Make me a child of God and use me for your glory. If you pray like that for the first time, tell me today. Come into the cafe, tell me. You've accepted Jesus. If you're online, click the little button that pops up. We want to get some resources to you to help you in your faith journey. And then for all of us who've done that, let's truly believe the words of Jesus, the word, the eternal divine word that became flesh in Jesus Christ. Let's make a commitment as a church family together to learn from him so that we could let our light shine before all men and women (laughs) that they may see these men and these women, they may see your good works, the good that's being done through the church, through your life. And instead of saying, wow, green belt's awesome. They say, no, God is awesome. God is awesome. And they would too, would give glory to their father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and thank you for the power of your word. God, I praise you that the word became flesh and that Jesus came to make his dwelling among us. And the image of the invisible God became very clear to all mankind. So Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that uh, our hearts would be opened to the excitement and the power of studying the word of God more. God, forgive us for the times when we just let life take over and we become so busy that we can't even glance at a verse. Forgive me when life gets so busy and I don't even glance at a verse in a day. But God, they're building us this heart that knows we need to hear from you and help us to hear from your word. And so, Father, as you speak to your church through your word, help us to not just hear your word, but then help us to respond. Help us to do what you tell us to do. Help us to say what you tell us to say. Help us to go where you tell us to go. Help us to be who you've called us to be, not for our glory, but for yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.